Hello and welcome to the Cheerleading Junkie. I'm your host, Jill Markley, and I'm thrilled about today's guest. We all know that fundraising is one of the biggest challenges everyone in cheer deals with on the daily basis, and it can be hard to navigate what to do and how to do it. But Ellen Richard is a guru at fundraising, even able to raise $25,000 in a period of weeks. Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi, Jill. Um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, before we get into the interview, can you just give us a little bit of a background on who you are and how yep. you became a Booster mm-hmm. Club person? <laughs> All right, so I'm a staff accountant by trade, so numbers basically are my game. I've done that for about 20 years. Um, I'm a mom of two daughters, both who are cheerleaders from Pee Wees and Pop Warner all the way through varsity in high school. Um, I have literally been everything, Booster Club president, assistant coach, like... Taxi cab driver, <laughs> everything. I've done you name it. I've pretty much done it. Yeah. So um, you have been in the cheer industry for quite some time, specifically helping me out for at least a decade, I think. Yep. Uh, and one of the things that we like to do when we're getting ready for the next season is to sit down and create a budget. So can you give us some tips on like the best way to do that? Yep. So. What I would first say is decide what you need versus what you want, because needs versus wants. True. That's that's a a luxury that sometimes you just can't afford. Um, Review merchandise magazines. uh, Talk to sneaker vendors, bow vendors. Find out what the median price is for things that you need. Um, And just, I guess, go from there. Choreographers, music, those are the types of seasons that you're going to need. Just talk to them and kind of get like a ballpark price of what you're actually looking at. And then you just make a budget. Okay. So it sounds so easy, but making a budget really, really isn't so easy, no, right? not easy, right. So, because yeah. you have to figure out what you need to spend and then how you are going gonna, to make that money. Exactly. So, yep. So basically you're going to need to know, hopefully by the time you're looking at all these things, you know about how many cheerleaders you're going, or athletes you're going to have. Um, and then you just... Make a budget per cheerleader, and then you come up with a fundraising, whether it's canning, you know, paper fundraisers, um, basket raffles, stuff like that. Sure. So, and I know that one thing that we did was sort of estimate how many people would be on the team over, you know, based on what was on the team the last couple of years and right. what we're looking at. Because we do like a pre-tryout sign-up mm-hmm. too, right? And then yep. figure it out that way. Mm-hmm. It's quite a challenge though, for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. So... It's also quite a big commitment. So what do you think the commitment is, or what do you tell parents and cheerleaders to expect in order to be truly successful at fundraising? Um, I tell them, you know, do you want to fundraise for every single cost, or, you know, do you want to fundraise for half of it, or are you lucky that your parent can just show up with a check and say, here, she's done. Um, if you want to 100% fundraise all of your fees from soup to nuts, you you need like 100% commitment. You need to be active, an active participant in every single fundraiser. If you're told that, you know, you need, this is your fundraiser, we're doing cookie dough or whatever, you need to sell 10 units of cookie dough, you really should be trying to sell 20 or 30 just so that you can get in and get done. Okay. Yeah, and so, I mean, in our program anyway, our big thing was that we didn't want to turn anybody away because they couldn't pay. Exactly. So we tried to offer, you know, quite a few different varied fundraisers 
So of those ones that we offered, which ones do you think were the easiest, not only for you as the Booster Club person, but also for the, the families trying to raise the money? Right. So anything involving money, whether it's the money calendar or like a scratch ticket basket, um, those sell like hotcakes. Um, what a money calendar is, is basically it's a, it's a month of money. Every day you put an amount down on the calendar and you buy one and your name gets put in a basket and you get picked. So if you get picked on the fifth of the month and that prize that day is $50, you just won $50. You know, so those are easy. People, people are more apt to invest when they know they're going to get something of value back. Yeah, for sure. You know, if you're going to make 50, 50 bucks on a $10 money calendar, they'll be like, yeah, I'll buy five of them, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, they do tend to do those. Scratch ticket baskets go really, really well as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, these are low cost, too. There's no, there's literally no upfront cost to it because you ask, you ask the cheerleaders to donate, you know, one or two scratch tickets. Yeah, and so the and the only risk with the money calendar, right, is it's almost like a 50-50, right? So like there's exactly. a minimum exactly. that every yeah. cheerleader has to sell and exactly. if they don't, you're in a little bit of trouble, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So what are some of the fastest fundraisers? So I know we talked about like how you raised $25,000 in a period of a few weeks. So we should probably talk mm-hmm. about how you did that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um again, going back to the money calendars or the scratch tickets, um, basket raffles are good. Um, get out into the community, tell them what's going on, offer sponsorships. Like when we went to nationals, we did t-shirts and we had parents canvas the town for donations for sponsorships and their name went on the back of the t-shirt, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. And then also like, what are the, I guess, best fundraisers in that, you know, you have the biggest profit margin for people. Mm -hmm. So we, I have been really fortunate uh, with a fundraising group called Megado. They, I find, have the highest um, return on profit. And it basically depends what you are selling, basically is what the profit margin is. Um, People like things that are different. They like... Uh, we were really successful with a personalized tumbler drinkware um, fundraiser that we did. And it was all geared towards Gardner High. Uh, we did um, a t-shirt fundraiser once where you could get apparel for Gardner High. We did really good on those. So like I said, people, there's only so many tubs of cookie dough that, you know, a parent's <laughs> going to want to buy or butter braids, although the butter braids are fantastic. Yeah, they Don't are. knock them. But they like different things, you know, things that they don't see very often. Yeah, for sure they do. I mean, the going back to Megado, I can't say enough good things about them. I think I was looking at one of the emails that he sent because for some reason I'm still on the email. Um, they were doing like bed sheets, like things like that, you know? Yeah, I saw that as a recent fundraiser and I was kind of like blown away. But one of the other coaches in my gym who also coaches a high school team was like, oh yeah, bed sheets were a great fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of interesting. But that probably goes back to your point about... It should be different. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And everyone needs bed sheets. They don't need cookie dough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Even if you think you need the cookie dough. Yeah, that's true. I'm not knocking cookie dough either, but. Yeah. So one thing that I notice, like when I'm in some of these cheerleading groups, you know, like on Facebook and stuff like that, is that there's a lot of coaches who seem to be starting out or, um, you know, kind of 
trying to get a program off its feet. And I know that you know, kind of going into the history of our program at the high school that I coach at, it was kind of the same thing that the high school was out of money, right? We had like negative money in the bank mm-hmm. and um, we had to, and no uniforms, no pom-poms, no nothing that we maybe would have needed in a traditional high school program. Mm-hmm. Um, and thanks to you, we really got it off and running. So what do you recommend to somebody who's starting out on a new team or program or feels like they're kind of at ground zero? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's figure out what your needs are. Um, go out into the community ask for donations like community businesses will give back they love to give back um you know get the parents involved um get the cheerleaders involved advertise you know just be be a force in the community give back you know do volunteer work yeah that was something that actually we preached a lot in our program was because and something i believe very strongly in is that if you're asking for strangers or people who happen to shop at Walmart to fund your cheerleading experience, then there needs to be a way for you to give back. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the ways that we gave back to the community? Yep. So we gave back. Um, we One day the cheerleaders went out and they painted a bunch of fire hydrants because that's what the fire department needed. Um, we have been volunteers at... Um, drug overdose awareness nights we were there helping set up uh we yeah we reached out to the mayor um Mm -hmm. and asked for events and Mm -hmm. and tried to do everything we could do right to be not just giving back but to be visible in the community right and we also you know when the hockey team went into the playoffs we went to a hockey game and cheered so now all of the hockey players parents saw us there they saw us supporting them same for basketball. Well, basketball, the cheerleader anyway. But like soccer, I think we even cheered at like a track meet once. We went to a cross-country meet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they had like a big state event or something like mm-hmm. that. And so they asked for fans and we went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's what you're there. You're you're a cheerleader. Right. You know, you're there for positivity, for upbeatness, for basically just joy. Yeah. And some... Just not to go too far off the rails here, but that overdose awareness night that you talked about, I know the first time we did it, it was a bit of a shock because it yes. is very sad. Yes. Um, but the I felt like it was really valuable for the cheerleaders to hear those stories, you know, to yep. kind of help end a stigma. Mm-hmm. But also their role there was to pass out like glow sticks and water bottles and then to give hugs, you know, yes. and just support people, yep. mm-hmm. which I thought really was a fantastic life lesson for yep. them too. They I got, 100% agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we had like interesting things happen the more that we were out in the community giving back, right? Like, yep. Didn't... So we had a cheerleader standing in line at Walmart one day buying, I think we were prepping for a comp that we were holding, and she was buying like Gatorade and, you know, those big 24 packs of chips and um, just various stuff that she was going to donate for the concession stand. And she had her Gardner High cheerleading coat on, and the person behind her just kind of tapped her on the back and was like, excuse me, are you a Gardner High cheerleader? And, you know, her response was, well, yes, I am. And, you know, she's like, you know, I would love to help you. Is this for is this for something for your team? And you know, the Chile said, "Yeah, it's for the comp that we um, are hosting next week." And the woman paid for everything, yeah. everything that was on the belt. She gave back because you know, and she specifically said, "You, you ladies and gentlemen, are they're always out in the community. Um, we always see you. 
Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, we also worked like parades and, and triathlons and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, we were a cheering yep. group for a triathlon that came through town. Yep. Yeah, and all those groups tended to give back, whether it was in the form of um, a financial donation mm-hmm. or like the triathlon that was a financial donation, but they also gave us shirts one yeah. year or two, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And they're like just that. fun things to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it just puts us out there and it makes fundraising that much easier for sure Mm -hmm. and actually uh, we had an interesting donation last year uh, the year before covid when um the castle rock tv show came in to film in town and they needed our practice space which we quite willingly gave over even though we were trying to get to nationals and all that stuff um, and as a result of that, they basically stocked our water and snack supplies. Oh, for, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, that's amazing. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. And again, it's like if you do the right thing, mm-hmm. the right things happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard you touch on the fact that we started running a competition at the high school, which is something I know a lot of high schools think about doing, um, but they're not sure about doing. And even some all-star schools are starting to think about running their own competitions. They are huge money makers, right? They are huge money makers, but they're a lot of work. It yeah. It takes a lot of coordination, um, a lot of preparation, a lot of, you know, weekly meetings and just a lot of communication. Yeah. So let's break that down and talk about what goes mm-hmm. into that for mm-hmm. a minute. So the first thing we do when we decide to plan a comp is pick the, like, get the volunteers going or is it, yep. you know. Yep. So you need, you need volunteers you need um, willingness to help people to donate things. Yeah. So you also, um, of those volunteers, you need to create, like, leaders for each station, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. So you'll have, like, your concessions. You'll have um, the warm-up gym. You'll have the judges' table. You'll have uh, the front door, which is where all of the money basically comes in. Um, so you'll need to have people that you trust, that know what they're doing, know how to do it. Yeah. In those spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not just as easy as having, like, your varsity Here, you sit here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it takes, like, 20 to 30 people, mm-hmm. would you say? Maybe even a little bit more. Yeah. You know, the more you have, the better you are, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about having vendors come into a competition like that? Um, I think it's great because you get money in the door from the vendor, whether they're paying a flat rate for their table or they're giving you a cut off the top. Um, cheerleaders love stuff like that. They love the bow table. They love the hair table. They love, you know, the silly little colored bears that you can buy that match your school colors. They love things like that. Yeah, that's true. And parents love buying. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Flower vendor, jewelry vendors, like stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound crazy, but, um, I feel like you need stuff to appeal to sort of the younger cheerleaders because once you're cheerleader is a junior or senior in high school you've been there bought that right yeah, yeah you, there's only so many bows you can have in your room <laughs> yeah, tell that to some of my kids i know my daughter too yeah she has a whole wall of bows yep i'm sure um so how about concessions though because i know um you know i i always think well we should put out healthy snacks like apples and bananas but those are the things that the cheerleaders are eating before they compete after they compete, they want the, like, two-foot roll of nerds on a licorice stick. And <laughs> yeah. they want, like, you know, jelly beans and, like, gummy snacks and all of the, all of the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> sugar and the pizza. Yep, the pizza. Like yep, the pasta. Yep. Yeah. And then I think one of the other biggest learnings that 
we had, and we've we've done quite a few now, mm-hmm. but it was about the door. Yeah, the right? door. Yeah, you need to have somebody that you trust completely at the door because that's where probably eighty percent of the money comes in. You know, you just you want to be able to have somebody that can sit there for just one person handling the money at yeah. the door. You know, you don't want different fingers in the pot yeah because it's pure cash it too, is it's right pure cash 100 yeah. percent. yep it's not like anybody's counting how many people are coming in yep. or, yeah yeah i mean you can have you know your one set person and like somebody else with you that like two hour shifts but you 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 really should have one set person there yeah i completely agree with mm-hmm. that uh and then the other big learning we got from the door was that Change is necessary. <gasps> yes. If you think you have enough ones, fives, tens, and twenties, you don't. <laughs> you need more. And then when you think you have more, you need more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we started one competition with, we had what, like $2,000 and change? I think so. And an hour and a half in, we had to send somebody out to the to the grocery store and hope and pray that they could break hundreds. Yeah. Like, I think that day my husband made like trips to every grocery yes. store in town begging for change. Yep. Mm-hmm. That poor guy. So like I said, if you think you have enough, you don't. You, you need don't. more. Yeah. And then you need more on top of that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a weird, weird learning that we got Yeah. There. Nobody never even thought about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because there's so many spots where there's money. You got the front door, you have concessions, you have, like, hopefully you have a table with basket raffles that people are putting chances in. You know, if you're selling t-shirts on your own, you have money there. Like, there's, money is everywhere. Yeah. You know, and that's why you need to have people that you really trust implicitly. Yeah. I don't personally like selling t-shirts at competitions. What do you think about that? Um, I have mixed feelings about it because they can be a moneymaker, but if you overbuy t-shirts and they don't sell, now you have all of these t-shirts that you've expended money for that you could, I mean, you could give away, you know. Yeah, donate. Don't You could donate, but, you know, who's going to want a Valentine's Day 2019 cheerleading competition t-shirt? Yeah, exactly. If you're not a cheerleader or a cheerleading parent, you know. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, so, it, you know, if you're going to buy them, be conservative with the amount of t-shirts you buy yeah i remember um one actually it was a pop warner jamboree i don't know if you remember this it was many years ago but they bought like 500 t-shirts and And sold like 150 yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i think like we were like graduating from pop warner we were still getting t-shirts at at banquets you know (laughs) that's true because what else are you gonna do with them i know yeah yeah so uh i guess that's the biggest thing is if you're going to run a competition, it is a great way to make money. It's also great exposure for your program, Yep. you know, and mm-hmm. for things that you do well. But you need to make sure from a fundraising perspective that you have the right volunteers in place and you have people you can trust near your money. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a coach's perspective, it's a lot of planning. Like I know I was very lucky to have Ellen because um, when we do it, I – definitely don't have time to worry about concessions because I'm building the schedule and I'm, you know, making sure the warm-up room is right and mm-hmm. I've got the mats and mm-hmm. I've got everything else that's needed yep. to run the competition. Yep. So. If you're gonna, I mean, if, you, if you're going to run a competition or a program in general, you need to have a great relationship with your Booster Club president. You need to basically have the same, like we have the same philosophies, mm-hmm. you know, yep. we have the same goals. We know how each other works. Like you could say something and I'm like, I've already done it. Like, you need to, I mean, I feel like we're kind of an anomaly, but you need to have a 
a good, trusting, working relationship with the Booster Club. Yeah. And the Booster Club president. Because aside from the cheerleaders and the coach, that's one of the, that's basically what makes the program run. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that, actually. And I think that in your, you know, when you're planning out your staff and things like that, you've got to see, you've got to see the Booster Club president as an equal to the head coach because that side is so important because money is what funds cheerleading, right? Mm -hmm. And again, with my personal mission to not cut anybody due to money, Right, you know, it's it's quite challenging, and you need quite a bit of it. Yep, and you need to time. have, you know, you and that that's where the same philosophy, having the same philosophy, kind of comes in place. Because I agree with you too. Nobody should not be able to participate in a sport, any sport at all, because they can't afford it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So we do a couple things that I don't know if they're unique or not, um, but I know. I haven't really seen other sports like my kids do other sports. My boys do football and things like that. Um, that I think is kind of interesting and unique that you brought into our program. So like in our preseason meeting, when you're sitting everybody down who wants to try out for cheerleading and you're kind of walking them through the tryout process and how decisions are made and all Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. you came in. Do you want to talk for a minute about what you do? Yep. So what I do, um, and this goes back to budgeting and needs versus wants and stuff, I put together a whole booster club package, um, which basically says, you know, I'll basically have all of the canning dates, when I could do that, um, set up. I will have, like, the rules for what you need to do while you're doing things like that. Um, The cost. I like to be very transparent and very upfront with the cost so that they know what they're getting into. They know that, you know, it's time-consuming. They know that this is what we expect, and we're willing to work with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think being transparent about the costs up front is maybe the most important yep. part because yeah we always tried to front load it like we always yeah. tried to like we would have our base team in place what Memorial Day ish that's when you could do tryouts yeah yeah and then we would have the parent meeting and I'd have everything all set up so that we could start the ground running come the summer when the kids got out of school to be ready for camp in August and to be ready to start the season in September yeah exactly mm-hmm. and I think. Um, the first couple years when we didn't do that, we did have some parents who felt who came to us with like, why are you still asking me for money? Right. I already paid for this. I already right. paid for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's absolutely, I think, mandatory mm-hmm. that you put that information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, other sports that I'm involved with, they don't necessarily right. do it. So I think it's the best way to, to go. I agree. Because um, as a parent, I want to know what I'm going to have to spend or what time yeah. I'm going to have to, you know commit to it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then one of the other things that we did in that preseason meeting that I thought was helpful was after you broke down the costs and the opportunities for fundraising is we had a parent who'd been in the program previously to stand up and say, this is possible to raise all this money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So you're always going to have the same parents step up Mm -hmm. and do things, you know, so you know who your go-to people are. Um, and we were fortunate that we had several go-to people. Uh, so, yes, definitely. There, there. You always want to have a parent that is there that has experienced it and has been through it and has been able to say, this sounds like it's a lot and it's really it, it can be really overwhelming, but it's really not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because I hate to scare people away by right. the cost of it. Mm-hmm. So I like to have that conf- confirmation. Yes. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just speaking about volunteers in the crowd and how hard it is to get some we actually you actually came up with a plan to 
like replace yourself when you're ready to retire. Yep. Right. Yep. So yeah. So I knew my booster club well. I knew who I could count on and who I couldn't. Uh, When the year Riley was a senior, I knew I was going to be retiring. Um, So I basically watched who did what and who enjoyed it, who was just there because it was an obligation, you know. Um, But I did approach the person that I thought would be great. She took over for me. She shadowed me all year long. And then she took over the next year, and she did great. Yeah, she did, for sure. She was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then we did the same thing when her daughter moved on. Yeah, with the next set of parents. So, because I've been running this high school program for quite some time now. But, um, yeah, we did the exact same thing. And now we have a couple. It's a husband and wife. But I think the point is you need to target them and ask them directly. Yeah, exactly. You need to physically say, hey, you know, I think you'd be really great at this. What do you think? And a lot of times, like, with the person that replaced me, she was like, really? You think I'd be good at it? Like, she just was like, really? I was like, of course. I think you'd be great at it. And she was. But they won't step up and say, hey, I'll do it. But if you physically ask them face-to-face and you say that, you know, this is tough, but I think you can do it, they'll take it on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that for sure. Um, And then one other thing that you kind of mentioned was that you were in touch with your booster club. So what is the commitment to be running a really successful booster club as the head of it? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big commitment. There were days that, like, to be honest, I would sit at my real day job and do booster club stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm sure you as a coach have done the same thing, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's a pretty big commitment. Um, but I feel like now it's still a big commitment, but we have, we have um, processes in place that work. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really just a matter of Mickey Mousing the process to work for the program that you have right now. Right. You yeah. know, so it's a lot of hard work up front. Um, and, you know, chaperoning, fundraising and stuff like that. It's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding, especially when you see that athlete that is not very financially stable or, you know, come and be successful. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. And again, that kind of goes back to why you as the coach need to see your booster club president as, you know, an equal right. in the process because mm-hmm. they're, you're doing so much work. It's a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of work, and mm-hmm. it's all volunteer, yep. you know, usually. Yep. And uh, and it's possible to do it, but it is. It is. And it's so rewarding. It's so, I mean, it's rewarding to see any athlete make their goals, um, but there's something to be said about that athlete that, doesn't come from much. Yeah. And has a great season. Yeah, I completely agree. We certainly in our area have, you know, lower income kids or some foster kids and mm-hmm. things like that that yep. they really need that help. Yep. You know, yep. but then they it, need the directive. They yeah. need, you know, life can be better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like they get that from our program yep. anyway. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we sort of touched on canning a little bit, but we yeah. should go into what it takes to be successful at canning because it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> well, we pre-COVID, again, this is all pre-COVID, uh, but we are very fortunate that we have a local Walmart that lets us can there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the trick to that, though, is you have to get in in January and book out your dates because they book fast because everybody wants to can at Walmart because it's Walmart and everyone goes there on the weekends. Um, but it's a lot to coordinate. Um, and we came up with a schedule that was like two hour blocks for cheerleaders, two at each door. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could, so we had a sign up. Did we do sign up monkey one year? 
We do. And I, I mean, I managed most of it with the spreadsheet, and I knew who was going where, but it just got to be, we had three different teams, and it got to be a lot, so we moved to more online. Sign up genius, yeah, I think. Yeah, that was after I left, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But I managed it all with the spreadsheet and group me. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also put into place some processes that the cheerleaders had to follow when they were canning, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. So when they're out there in the public canning, they need to be wearing school colors. Um, they, if they have t-shirts, uh, that say Gardner High Cheerleading, they should have those on, but if not, orange and black would work. Um, girls must have had a bow in their hair. Uh, they need to be respectful. They need to be engaging. They need to say hello to everybody that walks by. Um, you know, no eating, no chewing gum, no sucking on your, uh, iced coffee, you know, no sunglasses. Yeah. Stuff like that. No Just cell phone. Yep. No cell phone. No inappropriate discussions between <laughs> chill, between cheerleaders. Uh, yeah. So just be, stand, be respectful, be thankful, be appreciative and be engaging. Yeah, and be engaging, right? So you're right. So everybody who walks through, uh, ask the question, would you like yep. to donate, right? And then yep. say thank you, regardless of whatever right. they're I actually is. made them say thank you, have a great day. Yeah. You know, just, and there were some people that were like, no, sorry, can't do it. Like, very polite. And then there were some people that were downright rude. Yeah. Kill them with kindness. Kill them all with kindness. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. Smile. Thank you. Have a nice day. I mean, we had one guy that was like, you guys are here every weekend. You know, it was just flat out rude. Right. The cheerleader, I was so proud of her. She was like, thank you so much. Have a great day. You know, like. That's all you can do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another thing that we did was we uh, require um, chaperones regardless of. So even if the girls are seniors in high school. We always had a chaperone because there's some pretty weird people out there. I mean, we've had <laughs> yes. some pretty strange uh, interactions with people. So there always had to be a chaperone there that was over the age of 18. And if you didn't have a chaperone, you didn't get to can. Like yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. That whole two-hour slot got canceled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had some real creepy people. Mm-hmm. We even had one guy last year or last time we were able to can ask our booster club president at the time to do something for him for $20. Like, so there really are some yeah. gross people yeah. in the world mm-hmm. today. But also, yep. it's an awful lot of money. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. You yeah. need you need somebody there that is going to sit in a chair with the bag and hold the money. Yeah. Yep. And you did regular pickups of the yeah. money too. Every right? two hours I had somebody, it was either me or someone that I trusted would go and pick up the canning. Yeah. After, after at every shift change. And then how did you make sure it was fair? So like let's say you put out a canning schedule from ten to six, mm-hmm. but you know, the four to six canning hours are slower than the, you know, 11 to one hours or something like that. How did you make it fair? So if there were four, if there were four two hour chunks, right? And there were four cheerleaders in each two hour chunk, that's 16 cheerleaders. I would take the daily total and I would divide it by all 16 because they, even though like the morning hours are more profitable, if you will, Mm -hmm. and the later hours are not, they still did their two hours. Yeah. You know, so that's, I would take the daily total and divide it by how many cheerleaders were there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that works in a high school or a Pop Warner program. All-Stars, I yep. think, maybe does it's a little, it a little yeah. bit differently. I, but, mm-hmm. yeah. But I thought that was a really great and fair way to it's do fair, it. fair, exactly. And it makes sure you're still filling all those mm-hmm. slots. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. 
So what about what happens when, you know, somebody signs up for canning and they maybe take one of those primo spots and then it turns out to be 90 degrees and they just prefer to go to the beach? How did you handle that with that Um, So they got one, basically one freebie. Mm-hmm. You know, if it became, if it became a habit, uh, they were taken off the, sca- the, the schedule altogether because now you just ruined somebody else's chance to potentially make all that money that you would have made in that two hours and you right. had one less cheerleader. Mm-hmm. So you, you treat it the way that I treat practice, yes. right? Because if you blow it yep. off, yep. you know, you only have mm-hmm. so many chances because and then you're it's, out. You know what? It's not, it's not, it's not, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a privilege to be able to do that. Yes. You know, it's a big privilege to be able to stand there and earn that money. And you should appreciate that and you should not take that away from some other child. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And actually, even going a little bit farther, it's a privilege to be able to fundraise at all. Exactly. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's a lot of communities out there where they don't have a Walmart or, you know, big grocery store and they're kind of stuck, you know. 100%. Yeah. So what about, I saw a question recently on um, one of those Facebook groups about car washes. Now, I know I have my opinion about car washes with cheerleaders. Do you have yours? I have an opinion. (laughs) Um, So I have been at car washes that have been extremely profitable. I have been at car washes that have not been profitable. Mm -hmm. They're a lot of work. I'm not a fan of them. Um, Because basically it just turns out to a bunch of kids playing in water. Yeah. You know, (laughs) they never want to stand on the street to advertise with the sign. That's always like, it's always hard. I mean, you could try them. I'm not a fan and I will, I would avoid them at all costs, quite honestly. Yeah, me too. Uh, Especially because if you don't get enough volunteers, I know one year it was like me and the assistant coach were washing cars and I felt like the biggest jerk, you know, because there were hardly any cheerleaders around. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And they didn't show up or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be that way. Right. You're the coach. You're giving them the ability to do this. Right. Yeah. Again, you don't have to fundraise. Right. It's a privilege. Exactly, exactly. So if somebody doesn't want to fundraise, what do you do? Do you just offer a buyout per fundraiser or do you just say this is the flat rate then for the season or what do you do? Um, I've done both. I've said, okay, well, this is what, this is, this is your bill. And a lot of that happens in that first parent meeting. Mm -hmm. This is your bill. This is what it's going to cost. Subject to change based on the fluctuality of actual athletes that show up for the team. Right. Um, But this is what it's going to cost. So you can either fundraise all, fundraise half, fundraise none. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's up, it, it's up to you, but this is this is the price tag of it. Yeah, and then I think we gave a date, like, you know, a few days before we were getting on the bus for camp. Yeah. The account had to be paid. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah I, we always did, like, a week. Yeah. And there were always exceptions, which that's fine. You can handle the exception, but, like, there was one year where it was, like, the day before people were, like, settling. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know if we were going to have enough money. <laughs> I remember that. To write the check when we showed up at that you know what I mean yeah and it was just that was just too it was too hard it was too stressful yep I definitely remember I mm-hmm. think that was one of our first years going to it camp was too. it was my very first year going to camp because yeah. I, I remember like I woke up that morning and I was like I don't know if this check is gonna clear <laughs> <laughs> it <Yeah>. did it <laughs> did <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah yeah it certainly must have been yeah it was crazy that year mm-hmm. lots of learning that we've come through yeah for sure. absolutely yeah 
So, okay, so without, you know, necessarily ranking on anyone, Mm -hmm. are there any fundraisers that you would maybe avoid other than car washes? Um, Yes, there are quite, there, I would say, like, I love the products, and this is not knocking them. I use them every day. Um, Pampered Chef is really hard to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, 31 bags. I have more 31 bags than I care Mm -hmm. to admit, and I'm always up for a good 31 bag. But those don't sell either. Yeah. Um, parents want more for their money, right? So they would rather buy, in my experience, they would rather buy three or four inexpensive things versus one expensive thing that may have cost the same mm-hmm. as those three or four things. Yeah. You know, and not everyone uses Pampered Chef, and not everyone likes 31 bags. Those are, the, in my experience, those are the ones that I've had the hardest time with. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I do an annual Pampered Chef fundraiser, but that's really just because I like to buy it exactly. personally. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. I think we did a 31 one just because we wanted the travel bag. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yep. Which I still use to this day because yep. it's my favorite bag. Yeah, me too, on mm-hmm. my weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And other thing, one of the other things I noticed in our program was like, and in my Facebook feed, is that for every one parent selling Pampered yes. Chef, there's four other ones doing yes. it, too. Or, yep. You know. So it was very hard to be... Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Equal, I guess, you know? Um, yeah, because you can't do four no. Pampered Chef fundraisers no. in a year. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> yeah. And then how are you going to say to, you know, Joan down the road that the Pampered Chef consultant... Oh, well, we're going to use Sue up the street. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. Plus, I find, like, with uh, people selling all different kinds of uh, things I know. Everyone days, is selling something. Yeah, and they all want an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, like, I think you have to think of fundraisers that appeal to more people. And so something like um, makeup or the new Color Street Nails yep. or something like that, like, if you're a cheerleader and you're living with a dad, mm-hmm. he doesn't give a Right. Heck about buying nail right. polish. I know right. my husband wouldn't do it. So. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of making sure that you're fair and balanced and making sure that the products are appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. A tremendous, tremendous amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so then we, I think we did the Pampered Chef fundraiser and it took forever to get like our cut of the profit. Like, oh, I feel yeah. like Sometimes I remember. Sometimes they do take a long yeah, time. Yeah. Because it doesn't come from the consultant, it comes from corporate. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if you're banking on that money, yeah, not a nah, good idea. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> that's sure. something that you're gonna spend down the road, not yeah. like when you're going to get on the bus for comp for yeah, yeah, exactly. Camp the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, also, um, I just kind of want to go back and just kind of wrap it up, but just as a, a reminder of the Coach Booster Club relationship, I think it is really important for you, the Booster Club president or whoever, to sort of sanity check the coach, right? Yep. So, and and not just to say yes or no, but to be able to feel free enough to say... To say... Yeah, that's a crazy idea. Yeah. Or, you're, out, you're off your rocker. Or, <laughs> yeah, we can do this, but this is what it's going to take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's kind of And you need to be able thing. to have that camaraderie or, you know, you need to be able to have that ability to have those... Sometimes tough conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Because, like, the first year that I was trying to get uniforms for this program that didn't have any money, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I couldn't get the uniforms that I wanted or I couldn't get the pom-poms that I wanted. But it's hard to see that as the coach because you just see what you think you need on the sidelines. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's always needs versus wants. And while – 
I'm going to say while you didn't get what you actually wanted, what you did get was a thousand times better than what they had. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. And we eventually got Yeah, and you eventually got everything that you wanted because mm-hmm. we worked hard. Yeah, exactly. And we budgeted and mm-hmm. we made sure that part of that budget included funding. Yep. You know, I mean, booster clubs don't allow you to save a lot of money. Right. But they do allow you to start to target funds, right, right. for the following years. So mm-hmm. You have to follow the tax guidelines yeah. and things And, like, like that. another thing that should be mentioned about booster clubs is you can't just fundraise to fundraise. Right. You need, you can't just fundraise to have a slush fund in the bank. Going back to what you said, you're not allowed to save a lot of money. Yep. You have to have a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have, okay, well, we need, we want to do crazy glitter socks. You know, this right. is what we're fundraising for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know I had uh, briefly had like someone on the booster club who was like, we should fundraise to, you know, get like $10,000 in our bank account. And I was like, yeah, no, federally, like the federal government says you can't do that. So it's not a Jill rule or an Ellen rule. It's the government. The government, exactly. And so for that point, you should, when you're establishing your booster club account, you should make sure that you're checking out in the Mm -hmm. IRS site and Mm -hmm. following all the right tax guidelines. Yeah, and make sure you have your, what is it, 403C? 5013C, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, make sure you're tax exempt and all of that stuff. Mm Yeah, because that's going to make a big deal for yep. Yep. some of your fundraisers later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think, do I have anything else? Do you have anything else? No, basically just figure out what your needs and your wants are. Mm-hmm. Get out into the community. Um, another thing that I was just thinking we used to do all the time is if we had uh, like a banquet or a function or a competition and we had like leftover baked goods, I always made the chillers take them to the fire department or to the police department. Oh, yeah, that's and, true. And, um, you know, just hand them out, donate them to the firemen and to the police department. Yeah, again, going And they back, appreciated that. Yeah, going back to be present in yep. your community. Mm-hmm. Show that you're giving back. Yep. You know, if you're asking yep. the community mm-hmm. to fund your journey, then you should yep. be prepared to exactly. give something back to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. I I hope I answered all of your questions. And if anyone has any questions, just reach out to Jill and we can discuss it. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope you found it as informative and entertaining as I did. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Cheerleading Junkie, or find us on Facebook as The Cheerleading Junkie, or on Twitter at The Cheerleading One. That's T-H-E-C-H-E-E-R-L-E-A-D-I-N, number one. This is Jill Markley, The Cheerleading Junkie, saying see you next week.